Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. And I am Carl. And this is episode 15. Today we're reviewing Demon Slayer, part one, the first half, the first 13 episodes. Um, As always, there will be spoilers throughout this podcast, so you have been warned. Demon Slayer, this show... It's already amazing. 13 episodes in, and I'm hooked. I was pretty much hooked, like, first episode, but yeah, this is a solid show. I get the hype. We're a bit behind mm. on jumping on this bandwagon. I know the show's, at, at this point, at the time of recording, the show's been out. Um, all 26 episodes wrapped up months ago. We are finally getting around to this, um, but hey, better late than never, right? And I like how our friends always say, oh, this anime is, like, amazing. You're gonna, like, it's so hype but i would say yeah this one does deliver on those promises and i wouldn't say like it's been a while since we've watched an anime so rapidly like when we first started the show we blazed through like five episodes in one night yeah i think we we watched all 13 episodes in basically two days yeah. Um, which for us, I know for some weebs, that's nothing, <laughs> but mm-hmm. for us, given that we both have full-time jobs, um, and a lot going on, um, that, uh, you know, pulls us away from anime, um, I'd say that's pretty impressive. Luckily we had a couple of days that were pretty chill. We could do that. Yeah. I want to say like the last time we were able to do that, like marathon run was probably when we first watched My Hero. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were, we jumped on the My Hero bandwagon when season three was premiering. So we had a lot of catching up to do. Um, mm. But that show, too, is it's just awesome. And, and we were sucked in right away. And it was, it, it felt good to kind of plow through all those episodes um, and, and marathon it. Sometimes you do it because you just want to get it over with and you're not, you're not like into the show. Um, you're tired of it dragging on other times it's because like in this situation with demon slayer it's just so good and it's just Mm -hmm. wonderfully paced um that you're like i I can't wait i have to watch another one and that's the thing too with this show is like i this might be the first anime where i really experienced time flying by these episodes do not feel like 20 25 minute episodes at all we would get to that halfway point in the episode where it's like the commercial break or whatever, technically, um, with like the black screen. Um, what would you call that? Like the yeah, the commercial break. I would say okay. Because right when it, this is actually airing in like Japan or yeah on television. So yeah, that that halfway point with the commercial break, so they've got like you know the the title of the anime and all that stuff. Um, that would sneak up on me every time. Like, that's halfway already? Like, there's no way. And then the episode would end, and I'd be like, are you serious? And of course, it always ends on a freaking cliffhanger, um, which I get. But yeah, the, these episodes, honestly, are, are the fastest moving episodes I've ever experienced watching an anime or really any TV show. Uh, and, that, and I say that in a good way. Yeah, the show just jumps right into the action from the get-go, and... Again, it's, this is not to say like any of the other anime that we've watched at a regular pace weren't as exciting or as as great, but I just think it's a testament, again, like you said, to how well-paced and intense the show is. 
So again, it just gets you hooked right out of the gate, and then just leaves you at the edge of this edge of your seat with every cliffhanger. And I guess another thing I, I like is like a lot of the plots or like storylines in this show could easily have been dragged out into like a whole season arc, but in this case, like the show doesn't try to do that, and it kind of ties up everything in a neat bow over the course of like two to three episodes with each arc, and it's. Again, I think why we're so hooked on it is like it has just a very well-balanced mix of those quiet, like expository scenes where we get a lot of world building and then balanced with like very thrilling action set pieces, which I guess is feasible through like its combination of like traditional animation and and, uh, 3D or CGI. And as we mentioned in the the last um, episode of this podcast where we talked about Tower of God, um, this is in direct contrast with that show. We, we felt Tower of God took a while to pick up. I mean, it didn't pick up for us until basically the last three episodes. Um, and that's, that's for us, that that's draining. Uh, this, the show, like I said, on, in contrast, it, it picks up immediately. Like mm-hmm. there's no wasted time. They get right into it. They give you a little introductory piece, kind of set the, the, the world up for you. And then it's go, go, go from that moment on. And I love that. But they also, on the flip side, don't do that to the point where you feel like things are rushed. Like, they mm. strike such a fantastic balance of of moving the show along, keeping you engaged the entire time without you ever feeling like you're missing out on a world-building piece or a, an integral part of the story um, or that, you know, they just, they just rush this part really quick to just put it into the anime, although um, they didn't give it the time it needed. I just... The, the pacing and the writing is phenomenal, and I get the hype around it. Um, if you want something that's going to grab you from the beginning and just take you on this awesome ride, so far, Demon Slayer is that show. And I think similarly with Tower of God, even though I think Demon Slayer is on a different level than, than the last that last anime we watched, the show still, like, this show does so much with so little. Uh, and like you said, it's just a great ride through and through. And as you mentioned before, like I would catch myself surprised that we had gone through an episode that was like 22 minutes long when it felt like it was 10 minutes. But yeah, it's just a testament how to how well written and how well paced the show is overall. And not to mention too, the OP is a fucking banger. We actually mm. knew about this OP way ahead of time because our friends um, who had watched it when it was premiering love playing the song um it's Gurenge, right yeah by lisa it's it's just such a good op and now we can we loved it even before we started watching the show be, you know listening to it through our friends at cons um but now that we're watching the show we have a much better appreciation for the song um and it's just awesome to to be able to hear that song every episode and I don't know if they're going to keep it after this first half of the se- the season. I hope they do because it's just so good. For me, it's like on par with Gurren Lagann's opening. Like just that mad hype the entire time. And it just fits the show so well. Side note, uh, the singer Lisa does a live cover of this on the YouTube channel, The First Take. So if any of you are interested, I definitely recommend watching it because her vocals are insane. All right, so with that, let's jump into the play-by-play of the first 13 episodes of Demon Slayer. 
All right, to start off, Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, translated as Blade of Demon Destruction, is a 2019 anime adaptation of a manga series written and illustrated by Koyoharu Gotouge. Set in Taisho era Japan, it follows Tanjiro Kamado, wait, it follows Tanjiro Kamado, a young boy who becomes a demon slayer after his family is slaughtered and his younger sister, Nezuko, is turned into a demon. In episode 1, Cruelty, Tanjiro is a young charcoal seller who lives a simple but happy life with his family until he finds them all brutally slaughtered. His younger sister, Nezuko, is the sole survivor but has been turned into a demon. The mulleted demon slayer, Giyu, arrives to eliminate her, but Tanjiro protects her and vows to turn her back into a human. Nezuko responds favorably to her brother's selflessness despite her transformation, and Giyu sends the pair to Mount Sagiri to train with the red Pinocchio mask Sakonji Urokodaki in the ways of demon slaying. In episode 2, trainer Sakonji Urokodaki, as Tanjiro travels to Mount Sagiri with Nezuko in a straw basket on his back, they come head to head against the demon. Pinocchio Daki shows up and orders Tanjiro to kill it, but instead he leaves the demon to disintegrate by daylight. Tanjiro begins training with Pinocchio Daki by climbing down a booby trap mountain using his strong sense of smell. Though Pinocchio Daki doubts his abilities, he accepts Tanjiro as his disciple once he succeeds his descent before daybreak, as instructed. So this episode, I just want to call it one thing, and while we were watching this, um, it almost passed me by, um, but when Tanjiro is going up the mountain with um, Urokodaki, and Urokodaki says, okay, you're on your own now, and he goes, he has to make his mm. way back down through all the booby traps, he, we, we kind of watch this montage of him getting better and better at it, and at one point, he comments saying, um, you know, now that he's uh, learned how these booby traps work, um, he's like, I, that doesn't mean I'm suddenly athletic enough to dodge all of them. And I think that's a great poke at anime um, in general. And I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I just kind of was, I chuckled to myself when, when that, um, when he said that, because oftentimes in anime, you watch the MC, the main character suddenly become like an insanely skilled fighter with mm -hmm. very little training or really in, in anything in entertainment you can probably name a ton of um, scenarios where someone just overnight blossoms into this skilled fighter, skilled pilot or you know this this insanely intellectual being it's just, it's very unrealistic and i love that at least in the sense of time and training and effort this show is very realistic uh, because again Tanjiro fully acknowledges that yes he's getting better but he's still not good enough to dodge every one of the the traps every single time and then as we'll note um, in a couple of, of episodes as you go through the um recap we watch him train for two years, which is very realistic. Again, unlike other situations where someone trains for like three months and then they're suddenly ready to take on any threat possible. So while it feels very strange to watch or understand that two years goes by, I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. That totally makes sense. It would probably take longer than two years, but hey, at least two years is way more realistic than overnight. So I, I thought that was really great that he mentioned that. I was like, thank you for, for being as realistic as possible in an anime. Yeah, in that sense, he's kind of like Midoriya, where, like, Midoriya's kind of was the underdog out of, like, the hero class and had to train a lot harder to get to where he wanted to be. And I think it was nice for the show to point that out because for protagonists to just be this all-powerful character, that doesn't make them intriguing or compelling in any sense. 
And like here we have to understand like Tanjiro is like he has his flaws, um, but he's willing to do what he can again to, to save his sister and defeat the evil that has caused him so much heartbreak. So yeah, like you said, it's nice that it grounds the protagonist and letting us know like, hey, he's still struggling through these trainings, um, but he's doing his best. So in episode three, Sabito and Makomo, Tanjiro continues training with Pinocchio Daki for nearly two years while Nezuko takes an extended beauty rest and learns the totally not hamon, total concentration breathing technique to increase his stamina and speed. As his final test, Tanjiro must slice a boulder in half before he can take the Demon Slayer Core's final selection test. After multiple failed attempts, Tanjiro is assisted by two mysterious children, Sabito and Makomo, and he succeeds in slicing the boulder after a match with Sabito. In episode 4, Final Selection, before Tanjiro leaves for Final Selection, Pinocchio Daki warns him that a demon's strength is equal to the number of humans it has eaten, and gifts him with an enchanted fox mask. Fox mask. At final instruction, all participants must survive atop a demon-infested mountain for seven days in order to pass. Tanjiro encounters a grotesque, multi-handed demon who recognizes Tanjiro's fox mask. He boasts of killing 13 of Pinocchio Daki's students, including Sabato and Makomo. Tanjiro goes apeshit on the demon and decapitates him. Episode 5, My Own Steel. As the demon's body disintegrates, the souls of Pinocchio Daki's students depart into the afterlife. The demon recalls its former life as a young boy, and Tanjiro shows respect to the demon in its dying breath. Tanjiro and three others end up passing the exam, and they are given uniforms and kasugai crows in their initiation as low-ranking Mitsunodos. He returns to Pinocchio Daki's cabin, where Nezuko has gained strength from her slumber instead of eating humans for breakfast. Gotta count those demon macros. A loopy blacksmith gives Tanjiro his Nichiren blade, which turns an unlucky shade of black, and he departs for his first mission to a town where young girls are mysteriously vanishing at night. Um, this episode I thought was interesting, and this is a theme that we'll see, I think, we're gonna see, we've seen throughout these 13 episodes, and we'll continue to see, I'm sure, is that they they humanize the demons, or mm. rehumanize the demons, by giving us just a small little taste, which is just enough, of their backstory, reminding us that these humans at one point, I'm sorry, these demons at one point were humans, um, but because of, um, as we'll talk about, the the main antagonist, their their lives have been ripped from them, have been stolen from them. Um, I like that. It reminds me of My Hero, where you always get some sort of backstory, even on the the most like D list of of uh, enemies or, or antagonists. Just again to remind you that there's there's more to this than just some pure evil individual wanting to cause some shit. Like there there's a reason that this demon ended up where they are today, and and um, you know things could have turned out much more very different for them had they not been attacked and turned into a demon in the first place. So I just thought that was interesting um, when they did that, and as they continued to do that, I'm like, okay, I'm interested in in hearing a little bit more about how you know these demons came to be. Yeah, Tanjiro paying his respect to the demon as it's dying reminded me of like Assassin's Creed, <laughs> where like even though the protagonist is like killing his enemies, like he still makes sure to give them the proper respect that they deserve, even though they've been acting out of malice. Um, and that's even though like I've seen this before in Assassin's Creed, like it's not something that you see very often in any kind of media, I guess. Like yeah. the fact that a protagonist is forgiving his enemy, 
And I think that really lends itself to his kind nature. It's one thing to tell us he's kind. It's another thing to actually show us, like true, truly show us um, his acts of kindness that go above and beyond what any other person would do. Um, the fact that, you know, we see these demon slayers kill tons and tons of demons and, and they move on with their lives so that he takes the moment to honor and acknowledge the demon recognizing that at one point they were a human mm-hmm. um i think that that convinces me that he really is the kind person that everyone is saying that he is yeah i think we'll start to see more and more that tanjiro is just a very compassionate person and that starts with him like doing whatever it takes to find a cure for nezuko and then this is like the secondary thing where again like he's facing these these villains and these demons but he still again shows that respect to them and again forgiveness and showing that kind of respect to an opponent or a um, someone who's working against you like that's very selfless thing to do and i think that also just contributes to why i'll talk about this later on but why tanjiro is such a compelling protagonist so moving on in episode six swordsman accompanying a demon Tanjiro travels to the town with Nezuko now in a lightweight box on his back. He meets Kazumi, who had lost his fiancée the night before his arrival. Tanjiro tracks the suspected demon scent as it attempts to abduct a young girl from her bedroom. He and Nezuko fight together against the demon, which has morphed into three separate bodies and uses mystic blood demon art in its attacks. Tanjiro then remembers Pinocchio Daki, telling him of the demon master who can transform humans into demons, Muzan Kibutsuji. Kibutsuji? Kibutsuji. Okay. <laughs> Next episode 7, titled Muzan Kibutsuji. Tanjiro enters the demon swamp while Nesko protects Kazumi and the young girl. He gains the upper hand against two of the demons with his water-style attack and joins Nesko to confront the final demon and ask about Muzan, which terrifies the demon. After comforting Kazumi with his fiancé's keepsake hair ribbon, the pair journeys to their next mission in Asakusa and discover that Muzan Jackson, in all his fedora glory, has disguised himself as the father of a human family. Muzan Jackson recognizes that Tanjiro is a demon slayer, and distracts him by slicing a passerby's neck, turning them into a demon fit for a role in the music video for Thriller. This was very interesting. The fact that um, he's just living in plain sight with a, a family. I thought that was super interesting. I'm like, hmm, wasn't expecting that piece of it. How is Tanjiro going to navigate this one? It's like a Kira Yoshikage yeah. kind of situation. <laughs> it really is. Like, you know, you'd expect, like, oh, he's got some hideout, and then, like, you can go and attack him, whatever. But you, it's not that simple when there's a wife and child in the mix. And also, how the hell does he have a wife and child? Um, like, what what's going on here? And I think what's it... I sometimes get distracted when I see Kibutsuji on screen because like my first thought is michael jackson i'm sorry like i know that's a running <laughs> meme or whatever but mm-hmm. i really do think it every time and i'm like ah man it like gets me i i hope it i i think with time i'll i'll get over it but sometimes it takes me out of the show for a brief second when i'm like oh god it's michael jackson on screen again maybe that was an influence in the character's design um but yeah it's same for me like like why does he have to look like michael jackson <laughs> um and i know like in the next episode there's a scene that was turned into a meme where it'll just use Bill Jackson's like high pitched like singing voice um, to replace with Muzan or Muzan's actual voice. Yeah, and it's just yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But in episode eight, the smell of enchanting blood, Muzan Jackson slips away from the chaos in Mama Say Mama Sa Asakusa, 
But Tanjiro. Uh, wow, <laughs> nice one. Fits so well. But Tanjiro proclaims that he will still find him and kill him. Two nearby demons, Tamayo the doctor and Yushiro the simp, offer the siblings refuge at their home. Tamayo tells them about the Kibutsuji curse. Every demon contains Muzan's blood, which acts as a tracking device slash kill switch that destroys them if they mention his name. Through meticulous 200-year-long research, Tamayo has been able to undo the curse on herself and the simp, and agrees to help Tanjiro find a cure for Nezuko by studying her blood and blood from powerful demons close to Muzan. The world-building dinner chit-chat ends when two of Muzan Jackson's demons, Susamaru and Yahaba, crash the party. In episode 9, Tamari Demon and Arrow Demon, Susamaru disables Yushiro the simp with her Tamari balls and reveals that she and Yahaba are part of the elite 12 Kizuki, or demon moons. Tanjiro struggles to dodge her balls, lol, until Yushiro lends him the ability to see Yahaba's arrows guiding the balls. Nezuko spars with Yahaba, but the siblings switch opponents and she loses her leg. Yahaba overpowers Tanjiro, but through his strong resolve, Tanjiro goes buck wild on Yahaba in return with his own arrows, and finally offs the guy in his creepy Pan's Labyrinth eye monster hands. In episode 10, Together Forever, though near death, Yahaba continues to attack Tanjiro, exhausting and injuring him. Nezuko gets second wind thanks to a serum from Tamayo and has an intense intense kicking match with Susamarch. Tamayo tricks Susamarch in saying you know whose name and she is often spectacular fashion. The doctor notes that the demons were probably not 12 Kizuki but takes Susamarch's blood anyways. Tanjiro reconciles with Susamarch by reuniting her Tamari ball with her severed arm. How thoughtful. Before disembarking on their next mission, Nezuko embraces Tamayo and Yushiro the Sim as if they were humans even though Pinocchio Daki enchanted her to view demons as enemies. A very touching moment for the series, until Zenitsu ruins the mood by begging a woman on the road to marry him. In episode 11, Suzumi Mansion, Tanjiro stops Zenitsu from simping any further, and the string cheese head laments that his incompetence as a demon slayer will most likely get him killed. They arrive at a mansion where a brother has been taken by a demon. Tanjiro and a, a reluctant Zenitsu enter the mansion with the brother's siblings in tow, leaving Nesko in her box. Brother? What? Oh, brothers, was, siblings. I said yeah, like the we, brothers, like multiple brothers. I was like, oh, no, one like was a little girl. the siblings of the brothers. Oh, okay. Right? So, um, yeah, Tanjiro and Zenitsu enter the mansion with the brothers, siblings in tow, leaving Nesko in her box outside. The mansion suddenly rearranges itself and splits the group into two. A strange boar-headed man also prowls the mansion for demons, and Tanjiro finds the demon kidnapper, kidnapper Kyogai, who is strapped with Suzumi drums on his body that control the house's rotation and who is hungry for Mirachi, humans with a rare kind of blood. Probably needs a type O blood donation. And I wanted to say that the beginning of this episode, where you're introduced to Zenitsu, was so funny. He is great. I <laughs> love like, Zenitsu. Yeah, like, he's, he's great comic really. He's definitely over the top, but I'm super interested in him, because I feel like he's he's going to have so much more to offer than just comic relief. Like, there's clearly... Mm. He's, he's skilled, right? He's one of the four or five, technically... Um, that that past final selection. There's something really important to him, and I'm so excited to watch the journey of him tap into his true potential. Mostly because like he's a fucking idiot, and I want to <laughs> see him become like realize that he's not as much of an idiot as he acts. Like I love him. I'm all for Zenitsu. Yeah, he's like the Okuyasu of this universe. Yeah. Uh, Although yeah. Okuyasu never realizes how much potential the hand has. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, going to the final two episodes, episode 12, the boar bears its fangs, Zenitsu sleeps. Boarhead briefly comes across Tanjiro in his fight with the demon until a Suzumi drum strikes separates them. 
This, however, comes from the kidnapped brother, who used the drum after it had been torn away from Kyogai in a demon family feud. Tanjiro tells the siblings to hide while he takes care of Kyogai, trying to anticipate his moves while fighting through his own injuries. Meanwhile, Zenitsu encounters a second demon and faints, but before it can devour the younger brother he's with, he begins sleepwalking and uses his thunder form to kill the demon. He subsequently snaps back to reality, unaware that he performed such a heroic act. I love, love, love that plot twist. That he only has his true potential when he's, like, knocked out or sleepwalking. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> when I watched that whole thing unfold, I was like, are you serious? Like, this is this is ridiculous. And then, he, like, he wakes up and he immediately thinks that the little kid is the one that saved him. <laughs> I'm just like, this is going to be so good. Like, I already was excited to watch his character development. And now I'm even more interested in his character development. Because I'm like, how do you even figure that one out? <laughs> yeah, it's almost like when you give someone a placebo... And it, it encourages them to do something really wild. And then you tell them, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just did that on your own accord. But, yeah, so far, Zenitsu's just been a he's been a ball just watching. <laughs> and for him to just suddenly faint, even though he has this kid that he needs to protect. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, the kid, I think he tries to reach for his sword, but, like, obviously he's not trained in it. Um, and then, yeah, just that that sudden twist was... It was nice to see. And again, it's nice to see that he actually has potential, but he, I guess, consciously isn't aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> and going into our last episode, 13, something more important than life, Zenitsu and the younger brother are thrown outside the house during Tanjiro's fight with Kyogai. When Tanjiro care- takes care not to land on papers strewn about on the floor, Kyogai recalls his former life and the belittlement he received for his writings. Tanjiro uses his quick wits to incapacitate Kyogai and collect a blood sample, but shows him mad respect before he's turned into ash. Returning outside, he finds Zenitsu defending Nezuko's box against Boarhead, who suspects a demon is inside. Zenitsu, already aware of this fact through his enhanced hearing, still decides to protect it for Tanjiro's sake. So the redhead returns the favor to the string cheese head and prepares to attack Boarhead, head to head to demon slaying head. Wow. Here we are, episode 13. I'm so excited to finish the show. Like, I, I can't wait. The show has a fantastic mix of action, humor, and a little bit of horror, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of it is really well done. All of it is, like, it's a great balance. Like, there's not too much humor where you feel like they're trying too hard. It's not action where you lose kind of the, the compassion that you need to have for, for these characters and for what's going on in this world. And And the gore in the show, I think, is just right. Like... Yeah. I'm not anti-gore, but I'm also not, like, excited. I don't, like, look forward to, to gore. I just, when it's there, if it's done in a way that complements the show and enhances the experience, then that I'm totally fine with it. And that's, I think, what's going on here is, like, you ha- you go from a very funny moment with, like, ridiculous facial expressions and everyone's chibi or whatever the fuck, and then you move right into this, like, horrid situation where people are slaughtered and, the- slaughtered and there's blood everywhere but like all of it just works. It all works so mm-hmm. well because they know exactly they've got like this formula where they know exactly how much of each ingredient they need to have um, to build a really great episode. Yeah, I would say like I can make comparisons to like Attack on Titan where it's almost I guess thematically similar where they're fighting like this huge threat. But like you said, like with Attack on Titan, it, it doesn't really balance a lot of those elements that you mentioned. Like again, the humor the action, and the story. I would say it's more heavy on, like, 
action and story with a little humor peppered in. Um, but yeah, like for this one, I was surprised at first that you see so much humor prevalent, but like you said, it doesn't overtake the overarching story too much. Yeah. So we're only halfway through the show. Let's just do some some quick thoughts um, on on whatever, some some quick pros and cons. Um, of course, we certainly won't do a rating until we, we finish everything. Um, but what are just some some thoughts that you've had um, on the show that you, you haven't shared so far? Yeah, again, so far I've ha- I have a lot of very positive thoughts um, with the show. One thing that is definitely interesting is the relationship between Tanjiro and Nezuko. Again, I think Tanjiro is very, one of the more compelling protagonists that I've seen in some of the anime we've watched. So yeah, he has like this very selfless purpose um, in trying to find a cure for his, for his sister. And what's interesting is like, you know, despite all of the evil and hate that he's faced, especially like having seen his family like fucking murdered in cold blood and his sister is about about to attack him, like he still manages to be compassionate, even like any other person in that situation would probably have gone insane. Um, So he's definitely intriguing in that sense. And I would say like their brother sister connection, like you really care about that dynamic, even from the first episode. Which I think was contrasts with to go back to like an anime we we recently watched Tower of God, like there we were supposed to care like we were meant to care about Bob and Rachel's relationship, but it's not on the level that we see here between Tanjiro and Nezuko. Um, so I, I'm very eager to see what his character does um, in the rest of the series. Uh, again, with his motivation to cure Nezuko, and with his constant characteristic of compassion yeah and to add to that because i i agree their, their relationship is super interesting and it's very compelling and i love that sprinkled throughout you know these tough choices that they have both tanjiro and nezuko um you get like very quick flashbacks of their their family mm-hmm. like you'll see a woman and a boy in, in a certain situation and then Nezuko or Tanjiro will have will will see over their image the image of their mother and one of their brothers like it's this constant reminder that there's one goal that they're working towards and that's to keep the remaining members of their family together by transforming or uh, by reverting Nezuko back into a human so they can just live their life in peace um, but I just love that they, they constantly remind us that like, there's this driving force for both of them. This, this commonality for both of them. Cause I feel like there's a lot of other shows where, you know, we'll see if, you know, family die or whatever, but we won't really hear about it again for quite a long time. And then when we do, it's like, oh yeah, they mention it and you're like, oh yeah, that's right. Their, their parents died or they were murdered or whatever. And then they just move on from that. But this is like, even though they don't dive into it, it's just that constant in the background reminder that this happened and this is why we're here, mm-hmm. you know, doing what we're doing. And again, we've addressed this earlier, but um, along those same lines, the idea the idea that this show is humanizing the villains and the antagonists on the other side. You had mentioned, you had compared it to like My Hero or even I guess Gurren Lagann where if we understand like the villain's motivations but i think here uh we are asked to understand not just their motivations but also their emotions again through those small snippets um and vignettes that we see with each villain and another thing i noticed with each villain is like there 
the way that their demon form comes out is almost like a punishment for a crime that they not a crime they committed but something that they experienced in their early life which is kind of similar to like dante's inferno if anyone's ever read that very long poem um where you have like the multi-handed demon who just wanted companionship with his brother um Shismaru wanted someone to play with her which is why she had the balls or the tamari balls and then Kyogai had the suzumi drums on his body because he was only told to like stick to his musical hobbies um but yeah i know that there's a there's like a 12 kizuki threat um which i think is like a trope with like these mega groups of assassins or hitmen in anime which that was kind of jarring but you know i I look forward to seeing more of how we start to see the threat like with more empathy as the show goes on yeah and one thing i I do want to mention on the topic of uh tanjiro nezuko i knew nothing about this show going into it and obviously the show has been around for a hot minute before we're actually watching it. And I frequent our animemes on uh, Reddit, obviously. And I thought, based on those fucking memes, that <laughs> Tanjiro and Nezuko were romantically involved. I didn't know they were siblings. So when we start watching the show and immediately they're like, oh, my sister Nezuko. I was like, what the fuck is wrong <laughs> with you goddamn weebs? Like, I, I say that with some love because I'm also a weeb truthfully but man some of you guys are so weird I'm like I get it it's a meme it's a joke but I'm also like damn dude I actually thought that they were romantically involved they were like dating or something because they would so show like clips of them like holding hands which they obviously would do all the time (laughs) because he needs to guide her and stuff and like I went into this thinking that they were like gonna fall in love or something and God, that's the complete opposite of what's <laughs> happening here. So that threw me for a huge loop. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have like some friends from high school who cosplayed as uh, Nesco and uh, Tanjiro, and they were like they're like a couple. <laughs> Let's hope they didn't kiss while in yeah. cosplay. <laughs> but I mean, if it was okay with the Lannisters, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, fucking. On my end, a few things I want to call out, just very sporadic random things. So CGI is a thing in this show. And I think when it's the environment or when it's animals or whatever, it's fine. I don't find it distracting. But those brief moments from far away when they show the actual characters in CGI, just like walking down a path or just like, you know, turning around, like... It is so jarring. Just it, it takes me out of it. The the moment it happens, I'm like, oh, what was that? I think they should just stick to the CGI with everything else except for the characters because it just it's never worked in anime and it's not mm. working here. And it's such a gorgeous show. Like it's so beautiful. I I would hate for the CGI, which honestly it's already doing, to to just like distract you and, and pull you out of it. Yeah, it reminded me of like. 3d that was used in like early disney films like hunchback where it was very just static movement and like you said it doesn't fit with the traditional animation that you see in anime and like you said like this show is just gorgeous on its own especially with like the backgrounds and the landscapes so yeah for them to try and incorporate cg into that it doesn't flow too well and one other thing i noticed was like close-ups on characters faces especially in the op like the last shot of tanjiro you notice their eyes aren't like fully rounded 
Yeah. It's more like polygonal. And I don't know if they animated Android using CG, but it's just something else that kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, the show is like such unique visuals. Everything in the show is just absolutely gorgeous. The the environment, as you mentioned, is beautiful. The colors are beautiful. The fight scenes and the action, like, it's always so beautifully choreographed and very fluid and very thoughtful, too, which I love. Like, I think it, it just takes the show up a whole other level, even under the clothing they're wearing. I mean, you, I, I recognize the patterns on their outfits, even before we started watching the show, just because of the community, um, you know, people wearing clothing or having something with that same pattern for their favorite character from the show or just seeing the screenshots or the memes or whatever and just being able to recognize, oh, that's the pattern that that character wears. Um, it's just all very thoughtful and very deliberate in the best way. And I, I really enjoy that. It's It really is like a feast for your eyes the entire time you're watching it. The only other thing I wanted to mention, which I'm assuming we'll get more clarity on or I hope we'll get more clarity on as the show goes on, is why Nesco is so like dumb for lack of a better term like she all the other demons are intelligent they they i know she's wearing a muzzle but like they are at least capable of um of some sort of like intelligent conversation with humans and yet she she hasn't said like a word this whole time again i know the muzzle's on i'm sure that's restricting her but even her mannerisms and her behaviors lead you to believe that she has like lesser intelligence than pretty much all the other demons and i don't quite understand why that is i know it makes her kawaii as fuck um but i'm curious to know like why she behaves so much like so much more different than the other demons that they're encountering yeah i would say uh, like the demon logic in this show is a little all over the place yeah um because i i still don't understand like you said how sentient demons are in like in the regular form but then you have nezuko who like even though other demons can talk freely like she has to wear that muzzle which i guess is to prevent her from you know, like eating human flesh or blood or whatever but even then like you have uh tamayo and uh the midoriya simp kid what's his name yushio yeah um they're demons and i know they've been around far longer than nezuko has like tamayo's been around for, what 200 years or something like that mm. um but, like, did they need muzzles when they first became demons and then they trained out of it? Or, like, what's the situation there? I just, she's The fact that she even needs a muzzle, knowing that there are other demons who reject the, the standard demon trope and, and want to still remain human, they don't need muzzles. Like, I I don't get it. I, I'm confused by that. But, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll get more clarity on that as the show goes on. Yeah, another, just to, I guess, round it off, like, another confusing thing about her is, like, how is she able to gain strength by just sleeping like even yeah even like as a human biologically if you just sleep the whole time you're still gonna die yeah you're still gonna be malnourished um but i guess like even in like zombie logic like they will just continue to live even if they haven't eaten anything but i don't know maybe we'll we'll understand it more as the show goes on yeah and with that we will look forward to watching the last 13 episodes right 26 episodes mm-hmm. we'll look forward to watching those last 13 episodes and come back to you all with our thoughts on the second half and the show as a whole 
Um, we'll see how it goes. And there's talk of potentially a season two or at least more certainly a, a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what happens then. But until those things are announced, we're just going to enjoy this last half of the ride. Yeah. And thank you all for joining us for Strictly Anime Episode 15 with Demon Slayer Part 1. And special thank you to Super Newt Ensemble for the jingle that you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.